Welcome to the Preaching While Black podcast, a podcast dedicated to the calling, craft, and content of the Black preaching tradition. And now, here's your host, John C. Richards, Jr. Well, welcome to the Preaching While Black podcast, a podcast committed to the call, the craft, and the content of the Black preaching tradition. Listen, I have a very special guest for this episode, my brother, Seth Martin, who's a pastor up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yes, there are Black people in Minnesota, and Seth is one of them. And he actually has been pastoring for several years, now. I think five, going on five years. And he was there right in the middle of George Floyd being murdered. We're going to talk about that on this episode. So you don't want to miss this because Seth is one of my favorite preachers. I love this brother. I'm looking forward to hearing from him. We'll see y'all soon. Brother Seth. What's up, man? Welcome to Little Rock. Yeah. I, it's hard for me to welcome you home yeah. when you're the one who got me here. No, man. So we're going to tell that story a little bit. Yeah. But I want to start where Bible starts, which is in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about your call and how you were called to ministry, how God called you to ministry. Tell me a little bit about that. How do you sense that call? How did you know that you were first called to ministry? Yeah. So so for me, it's interesting. I think the signs were there very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a household of faith, and I, I can recall even just as a child wanting to share my faith and wanting other people to know the God that I, I knew and that I knew loved me. And that created me. And so I, I went to Martin Luther King Elementary School right up here. Um, and uh, I, I remember, even as a kid, inviting a friend of mine named Jeremy Powell to, to come and sit and read the Bible with me at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, of course, didn't know what I was doing, but I just I wanted him to, to know God and, and to know his love. And so um, that was just something that was evident early on in my life. Um, and then around 14 or 15, um, you know, I became probably more clear about the gospel and its implications. And I also was beginning to feel that press from God that, okay, this is what I made you for and what I've made you to do. Preach my gospel to, um, to minister to my people. And so, uh, I, I just, I knew, um, I, I have, I'm one of those people that have had the very rare privilege of knowing almost from the very beginning what I was placed on this earth to do and what mm. God had called me to do. And so uh, I didn't want to do it now, mind <laughs> you. I did not want to do it. Yeah. Um, I tell people all the time, one reason, I just wanted to be normal. Mm. I, I was, I'm 14, 15 years old. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. I want to be a normal teenager. Maybe I'll do that later. You know, I want to do normal teenager things, whatever. Um, and then, you know, secondly, I, I, I just had, you know, concerns to some degree. Mm. Um, I, 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 so I wrestled with God. I, I wrestled with God about it. And uh, of course, God won. <laughs> and I, I'll, I'll never forget. I, I tell people all the time. I, I, I strongly believe me and God made a deal the day that I surrendered. Um, it was snowing here. One of the few times it snowed in Arkansas. Maybe it was a precursor to Minnesota. I'm not sure. Um, but I just remember laying across my bed and saying, "All right, God, fine, I'll do this." Mm. But and this is I'm 14 to 15 when I pray this prayer. I said, "But God, here's my only prayer. My only prayer is that you will take care of me and my family through ministry." Mm. I said, "God, I'll go wherever you want me to go, do whatever you want me to do, but just take care of me and my family through ministry." 
And uh, I firmly believe God God has honored that, and and that was a real promise and covenant, if you will, between me and God, because I've only ever done full time ministry in my life now. Mm. Fourteen, fifteen, no girlfriend ish. Well, you may have had a girlfriend. Oh man, yeah, I, I had her, but ain't your wife? No, no, not my wife. But, so at that time, you didn't have a wife or a family, yeah. but you said God. I know I'm gonna have one one day. Yep. I need you to take care of me. Yeah, man. So I don't it's funny. I don't I have no idea what would have probably I'm 14, 15 years yeah. old. Yeah. You know, I, I the whole notion I'm even thinking about taking care of a family is kind of crazy, <laughs> but it it was a prayer I asked and uh a mm. request I made to God and God has been faithful. He's honored it. I so. tell our team around here all the time, God be knowing. God be knowing. God be so knowing. So he's taking sure. care of me, my beautiful wife, and our three children. Wow. So, you know. So there are some people who are listening who want to check on that elementary evangelist <laughs> and check and see how Jeremy Powell is doing these Listen, days. I have no idea. <laughs> Listen, I, I was not a good evangelist, I'm sure. I have no idea. You planted the seed. I planted the seed. I pray that somebody watered it and yeah. I pray that he knows yeah. the Lord. That's my genuine hope. That's, <laughs> that's good, man. So let's talk a little bit about your call. You know, there in Scripture, there are some passages that are here I am passages yeah. where, where God calls people and immediately they say, here I am. Yeah. And then there's some kicking and screaming passages, right? Yeah. Where people are called and they're like, nah, I ain't trying to do that, Jonah. Yep. Uh, that's right. So when you talk about your call, were you more in the former category? Like I surrender God or like, well, God, I'm not so sure about this. I think I was probably just somewhere in the middle mm. because I had a heart for God and a love for him. Um, you know, I remember seeing, you know, the Passion of Christ when it first came out in those early years and just being moved to tears. I'm in elementary school and I'm like weeping, mm. but not just like because it was scary. Like it was just I felt the weight of what Jesus had done for us and felt the weight of wanting to share that with other people. And so, mm. you know, I had this heart for it. But then, yeah, when I got into my teenage years, I'm starting to experience life or whatever, I guess, a little bit more. And so um, that that was a that was a place where there was hesitancy. I'm like, God, I would kind of rather do these other things, but I know if I say yes to you, mm. these things are now in some sense off of the table because mm -hmm. you have a different path for me, expectation of me, all those different things like that. So I felt the weight and the gravity of the call, mm. even from 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 my teenage years. Mm. So you are what has come to be known as PK yeah. <laughs> in the church world. You're a preacher's kid, and your dad is a preacher here in Little Rock. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that call to ministry may have been shaped even by your dad's ministry or even the conversations with your father? Yeah, I, I love talking about this and telling people this about my dad um, because my father did in no way press upon us mm. like, going to it's not it's not a this family business that we're in or anything like that um in, in fact I'll, I'll share my father was probably a little hesitant for me to go into ministry he understood the weight and the gravity of 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 what what that meant yeah. um but the the cool thing about my dad was my father always in emphasized in our family us having a personal walk with christ hmm. um and so what i have my earliest memories of my dad and, and faith are not necessarily my dad in a pulpit, mm -hmm. but it's like my dad on his knees praying That's day good. by day doing his devotion or, you know, our parents praying with us every day before we got out of the car to go to school. Um, so I have this, 
these these memories of my father emphasizing what it meant for me to be a follower of Jesus. And so even now I tell our team and I, I tell people all the time, I'm a follower of Jesus first. Mm-hmm. I'm a leader for him second. Like mm-hmm. that's that that comes ministry, preaching, all those things, those are secondary mm-hmm. to Seth being mm-hmm. a follower of Jesus. And 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 so that has really shaped up my life and my ministry because for me, everything in ministry flows from my genuine walk with Christ. Um, my best sermons have flowed out of scriptures or things I've read just during my devotion time, mm-hmm. not necessarily I need to get a sermon ready for this weekend, you know, um, or any of those things like that. And, and even when I think about some of the peaks and the valleys in my life in ministry, they always match probably, you know, the level of commitment I had to my devotion life in some way. So mm-hmm. that's something I very much attribute to my father. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's what makes me unique. And in a lot of ways, I think it's what makes all ministry or the most powerful ministry so powerful mm-hmm. is that they flow from this genuine, I'm following Jesus mm-hmm. and not from this, you know, obligatory, yeah. I've got to do this. And and I will say, I think you see some of that today. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very grateful that I got that from my dad. Yeah, that really goes against that stereotype that's out there that's like, oh, hey, yeah. if your daddy preached, you know you're going to be, be pre- No, man, my dad was, he 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 was probably hesitant <laughs> and um, he, w- he would have probably had me do something else if, if, mm. if he could have had his way. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about the burden of preaching. Yeah. You know, Paul talks about this in his letter to the church at Corinth where he says, hey, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. He says this, there's this necessity, there's yeah. this weight that's on him. Can you talk to me about the burden of the call to preach? You, you say you've been called to preach, but talk a little bit about the burden of that call. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I was, I was having a conversation with a friend recently and they asked me, they said, you know, have you ever thought about doing something else? And I say, yes, I have thought about it. <laughs> um, but I really, I can't. And mm. not even that I can't, I've got, you know, a degree in something else, um, from, in, you know, from undergrad and, there are other skills I have that I'm sure mm-hmm. I could employ, but I can't. The The notion that I'm not preaching just mm-hmm. feels antithetical literally to who I am. Like mm-hmm. I was created to know and to love God. Um, and part of that in my life is mm-hmm. sharing the gospel, sharing uh, Christ's love with, with everybody. So it ain't that I can't quit. It's mm-hmm. just I literally kind of can't quit, as, as, as Dr. Pointer <laughs> has said before. Like, there's something inside of me, mm-hmm. this burden, burden, this fire, this this inability to throw in the towel on this thing and, mm. and to not do it and not give it. I've tried to not give my best sometimes. <laughs> like I've like, I've been frustrated and said, fine, I'll, I'll just sure. And there's something inside of me. And it's, it's just the Holy spirit that won't let me, you know, not preach. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about that other degree. <laughs> because if you, as a preacher, you're thinking, okay, yeah, he got the call. That's right. He went off to Bible school, got him some good, good studies in Bible school, but sure. you didn't quite do that. No, I did not. Uh, in fact, you you went to the other HU. <laughs> I went to I went to the real HU. Okay, uh, as, a, as a Howard grad, I could I'll I'll let you have that this Thank go you. around. But you did go to Hampton and get a BA in journalism. Yep. At Hampton. Now, how has this bachelor's in journalism kind of shaped your craft and how you go about preaching? Has it been helpful for you? Oh yeah, it's been very, very helpful. Um 
you know, my father actually going to Hampton and even majoring in journalism. It kind of goes back to my whole dad having a little hesitancy. He mm-hmm. he pushed me to go to um, to an HBCU. Really, he just said he wanted me to go to another school, not a Bible college, <laughs> um, and 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 to get a degree in something else. And I'm very grateful. It was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the journalism program specifically at Hampton is one of the best in the country. Period. Definitely one of the best among HBCUs, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we emphasize writing very heavily at that time. And so I, for me, becoming a better preacher was very much connected to me becoming a better writer, yeah. um, to be more clear, more succinct in my writing. Um, and so that's one of the things that journalism school did. It helped me with. And then on top of it, you know, I was a broadcast journalism major mm. specifically. So I spent a lot of time in front of the camera, mm. you know, um, which you know, help me to sharpen my ability to clearly communicate. Um, I spend time behind the camera, which has been very helpful in this age of, you yeah. know, you know, media now as well. Mm-hmm. So, so many wonderful things came out of that. It, it made me a better preacher. And then we started a campus ministry while I was there too. So I was getting to practice all those things, mm-hmm. you know, in real time as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, you met you a nice young lady oh, in sure the journalism pro- I program, sh- I right? sure did. I, I found me a sweet little thing in the journalism program. <laughs> And got married to that one. Sure did, yeah. Okay, so Hampton did all right for ha- you. Hampton did just fine by me. I, ha- Hampton don't owe me a thing. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about more about your craft. As you are shaping your sermons and looking through, pulling the curtain back on moving from text to sermon. Yeah. You know, a lot of congregations don't see what happens in the study. Uh, yeah. Generally, if you're a good preacher, you don't bring everything that you do in the study sure. in, into the pulpit, yeah. right? So talk to me a little bit about your process of going from text to sermon. Yeah. So I you know, we, we kinda talked about it a little bit beforehand. So for me, I'm I'm gonna start on a very base level where I think everybody should start, which is reading the text, um, and praying through the text and not not reading it for sermon ideas or anything like that, but literally just reading the text, hmm. letting letting the Holy Spirit do the work in me of, of what is God trying to say through this text, et cetera. Um, and then I'm gonna move to allow myself to begin to write, write down some of those kind of thoughts mm. that are beginning to burst out and bubble out in my head. Um, some of those key themes that are coming out um, or what is that main verse? So for me in every text, there's there tends to be some main verses like this is the verse that's sticking in my head or sticking in my heart um, a little bit. And then from there, I'm going to move to kind of some of the, the background legwork, yeah. some of the historical context, the literary context, um, the social context in which the person was writing or which the people were receiving. Um, if it's something like Old Testament, people of Israel, I'm going to look at not just where is Israel, but how did the children of Israel get here? How did, yeah. you know, what happened to this person? What's the background? And then one of my biggest things um, is I'm going to begin to ask myself the question, too, once I've come to a clear thought, um, where does this land, what does this mean in the grand scheme of the entire narrative of the Bible? That's like, what, what does this mean, big picture, in terms of what God has said and what God is saying? Mm-hmm. So that's that's some of the, that's kind of, sort of how I begin to weave through. Um, I'm definitely a sticky note guy. <laughs> um, so I don't write my sermons on, like, one notepad. I have probably 12 to 15 little sticky notes mm. and maybe, you know, one little short notepad. I have no idea how this makes sense at all, but, <laughs> but I'll, I'll begin to write in that way. And then from there, I'll begin to weed out, okay, what, 
is a nice saying, but I've already said this. Mm-hmm. Um, what is uh, information that is cool to know, but not necessarily um, imperative to know for mm-hmm. the context of the sermon? Um, what illustration is probably a bad idea the more I think about it. Um, like it, it opens up a can of worms that probably you shouldn't, you know, necessarily open up. So I begin to kind of work through that process to then fold. And then how am I ending? And a big thing for me is how do I get to the cross? How do I get to the cross and how do I get to the resurrection of Jesus? How do I um, lift up Christ in the end of all this? Because that I love showing how every text somehow is pointing us back every to Christ. Page. Every single page of the Bible screams mm. the name Jesus. And so that's really where I'm going to end at mm. Um, mm. as I, as I'm trying to move from text to whatever the final sermon is. That's so good. So let me get this right. You're a younger pastor yeah. who uses sticky notes. That's right. You don't have your Apple pencil and all nah, that good stuff. Nah, on. I don't, man. That's just, I, I'm a pen and paper. Uh, I still like physical books. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, you know, and maybe it's cause I was trained by old guys. They're, <laughs> they're going to mess with me and talk about when I say this, but yeah, no, between my dad and uh, some of my other mentors, mm. they, they're all, all of them pretty much are pen and paper guys. So I have no idea. Maybe that's just where I got it from. That's some old soul. That's right, man. Right I'm a sticky note guy. You know, y'all go find, you know, when the Lord calls me home to glory and how, whenever he does, y'all, y'all will find a whole bunch of sticky notes around my desk and office. And somebody go be like, man, this is gold. And I'm like, I'm be from heaven saying, go ahead. Do your thing, you know, we got to publish Seth's sticky notes. That's right. Publish a book of my sticky notes. Now, some of them are going to make no sense, but just put them in there. anyway. Just go ahead and put them in put there. Put them in there anyway. Speaking of resources, let's talk about some of your go to resources. Yeah. We got the list three top resources that you go to. What are your go-to resources? Yeah, so, you know, Logos has done, we talked about this, so much of the work. Yeah. Like, so you go in there and it's 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 helped you with the language. It's already parsed out the verbs for you. Mm. Um, there are numerous commentaries in there. So um, it, in some ways it's kind of hard because I would just say number one is go to Logos and it's, it's already done a lot of work for you. Mm. Um, sometimes when I like, need quick reads, I kind of like Thomas Constable. He's got some stuff online. Like if I need like a quick um you know some pushback on authorships or some some ideas about introduction and things like that or just even if i'm trying to get a broad view of a text if i don't have a lot a lot of time and or maybe i don't necessarily know as much about a particular book Mm. as i do others it's a good like kind of quick little shortcut for me um but then you know when i think about resources too and i think this was interesting for me um i don't just think what resource do I need to get to get a text right? Though that mm. is extremely important to mm. get the historical, the language right, the what is the text saying, et cetera. But yeah. I also think about um, the resources I run to to help me paint the picture. Mm. So I'm a movie person. I love movies. And so when I think illustrations, I let my mind run to movies. Um, that's a resource yeah. for crafting, I think, helpful sermons or mm. Um, I let my mind run to news articles or, you know, even I'll talk about, I let my mind run to my life. It's a good resource Mm. for crafting, um, the sermon. I remember that Mm. it it wasn't too long ago. It was maybe like two months ago. Um, we were preaching through our values. One of our values is that faith has feet. And so I was doing James Mm. and, um, I was going to do the, you know, be not just hear the word, do as what a word, Mm. you know, that whole passage. And it was interesting because I went to the mall to work on my sermon, John. Hmm. And when I got there, 
um, I was getting some lunch and there was a woman kind of standing behind me mm. and I kind of just felt her presence. And then I turned around, she kind of looked a little disheveled and just kind of, you know, um, just kind of in need in some ways. And so I, she, she asked me that I have any money. I said, no, ma'am, I don't have any money. And then um, I didn't have any cash on me. And then she, and I said, but ma'am, can I buy you something to eat real quick? Mm. And, you know, she partnered with me. She was like, yeah, I definitely take something to eat. And I said, well, come on, let me buy you something to eat. So it was funny because I told our church that weekend, it made it into the sermon. Like I tell this story in the sermon because I, this is literally what I was preaching on. Right. And I said, guys, I went to the mall thinking I was going to work on the sermon. And I actually went because the sermon needed to work on me. That's good. And so there's this, I, so when I think resources, sometimes we like, we are so maybe trying to get it. Let me get the parts about the text. And, and that's super, super important. Mm. But I would push and say, don't forget about the resources of your life, the resources of culture, et cetera, mm. when you're talking about crafting a overall sermon that connects with people. Because the history is great. Mm. They need to know that part of the Bible. But if you don't, if you cannot connect what's happened in history to mm. what's happening now, then I think we miss people. You have to be able to cross that bridge. Yeah. Right? One of my favorite um, classes in seminary was theology and film with mm-hmm. Robert Johnson. Yeah. Um, he has a book called Real Spirituality, and being able to use movies, especially mm-hmm. movies that folks know. Yeah. Now, you're in a multicultural context, so they might not all know. They don't know to all America. the movies. Yeah. I've, uh, I've had to, I've had to school them and tell them to go watch some. You had to actually <laughs> give them the context I've of the movie. Them, yeah. Every Whereas if you come here, you could you could do a coming to America reference and I they could, got it. And it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I miss that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So let's talk a little bit about, about your content. So if you're talking about you being in a multicultural context, right. You are in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. which I joked about this earlier, but there are a lot of black folks in Minneapolis. Uh, there, there's some. Um, <laughs> there, there's some. Um, you ain't the only one. I'm not the only one. There's, yeah. But there's some. There's not as many as I like. Go okay. It ain't, so, it ain't Atlanta or nothing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the whole city of Atlanta. The whole black. city of Atlanta. <laughs> and D.C. And D.C., that's right. So you are preaching and pastoring at a multicultural church, though. Right. And God called you to that community at a very unique time. Mm-hmm. And this was right around the time that George Floyd is murdered. And you were in your church planting pastorate <laughs> in Minneapolis, Minnesota, trying fire. to figure out how to set up, tear down, how to do all the other logistical things. And then God thrust you into this social context yeah. where there's a whole bunch of upheaval. Mm-hmm. Folks are trying to get answers to questions. Yeah. There may be some white evangelicals who are leaving their churches because of silence yeah. and they're looking for a safe space. Yeah. How did that shape the content of your preaching around that time? Yeah, it, it definitely shaped it. Um, like you say, you know, we saw an influx of people um who were looking for a space and for voices that would address the social ills of the day. Mm. Um, but also people who had been hurt by those places that they had maybe been discipled in for years and only to come to realize that those places didn't care about all the same things they care about and maybe even care about all the same things Jesus cares about. Mm. And so um, it shaped my preaching um, to the degree that I wanted to be faithful in addressing it and I wanted to be a shepherd in faithfully addressing them, helping to encourage them to not give up on Jesus, to not give up on the church, to help them to overcome betrayal, um, because a lot of them felt some sense of, especially those who kind of came in from predominantly white evangelical spaces. I, yeah. I never forget, I remember preaching a sermon called Winning the Battle with Betrayal because I felt like there were a lot of people that 
had this this tension where they felt like they were betrayed by the people that led them and discipled them. And mm-hmm. then, of course, when George Floyd happens, you know, we actually we gathered. We had a protest and prayer rally right there, a block away from where it happened. We we didn't necessarily get right in the space. We got we were one block up um, at a park. And uh, and I remember I I, I preached that day, um, and and it was all about really how we're missing the point in some ways when mm. we focus on what they were saying was the riot and the looting, looting, which is a very small part of all of what's going on. We're missing the point when we focus on that, and we miss what has led to that. And it's it's very akin to when Jesus says you 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 see the speck in your neighbor's eye, your brother's eye, but there's a log in yours, and mm. so. You know, even that that social context, what we've been going through or what we went through for those years definitely mm-hmm. shaped my preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you was, were saying that the the speck itself was the Yeah. The the speck was the riots. The the log was the racism. That's mm-hmm. that's the way I, I, I would say it. I was like, you mm-hmm. we you I would you we're missing the point. Yeah. Um because you saw that in some churches where some churches were lifting up we want peace in our city, but they were not lifting up. We want justice in our city. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was, you know, a tension that I think a lot of people were feeling. And, and I said, guys, uh, you also don't, I didn't, I also don't know that they wanted peace as much as they wanted quiet mm-hmm. um, because that can be that culture sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it very much shaped what I was doing, what I was preaching. But I think one of the other interesting things was I was trying to help shape people in that too, because as like you said, growing up in, in the South and black church, et cetera, justice was not a topic we lifted every time. It was, it's just who we are. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's not for us. It wasn't a wave or a fad. It's, it's like a fish in water. Yeah. I mean, so was water. that was, that's something even now I continue to try to yeah. emphasize with our congregation is like, guys, this is something that's a part of your discipleship and your development as mm-hmm. a follower of Jesus. It's not something we lift in only when something happens or whatever the case may be. And I know you guys are super fired up and excited about it every time. And y'all want me to like pull my hair out sometimes. But I also recognize this is a longer fight. Mm. This is something that takes a lot of persistence and consistency. So even that, trying to help develop people in that way in our church. Yeah. They all out here trying to be sprinters, and we're like, this is a marathon. This is a marathon, man. And and, uh, and I I know you think you've figured it out. I know. I know you do. I know you got it. But there's some... Take it for somebody. I've been black all my life. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of those challenges, so HBCU, yep, black school, uh, black Baptist church, yep. But you're pastoring a multicultural, yeah, congregation, yeah. And so Janine Brown talks about this. She says that we all bring our presuppositions into the pulpit. Uh, how do you minister to those folks knowing that you have some of those presuppositions or mo- knowing that they have some of them yeah. as they bring yeah. in expectations of you of a black preacher? That's right. I, I struggled with it early on. I'll be honest with you. Um, and, and not because I was afraid to be myself, but more like, okay, how can I best effectively minister to people? Um, but then I got free and just decided I don't care no more. I'm going to be myself. And I also discovered, I'm like, well, the reason so many of these people have joined our church because they wanted to sit under uh, who's who, not, not, you know, not to make much of myself, but who I was authentically, who Seth is yeah. and who, my preaching style and all those things like that. And so, yeah, I, I, I decided to be me and I've been me and it's mm-hmm. been, it's been a blessing for me. Um, I think it's been a blessing for other people and, uh, I don't, I don't get to, there's no organ at the end of the service. So I miss that sometimes and I don't get to, mm. you know, yell as loud as I would like to every now and again when I feel it deep in my soul. Um, 
But, but you can come back. But home that's why I come back. home. That's why I can, <laughs> I can come home and I can go other places around the country by mm-hmm. God's grace. So, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it's been cool though. It's it's been a good journey. Mm. Seth, I appreciate you, brother. You're yeah. the reason I'm actually here in Little Rock. Yes, and I appreciate you for that. Bro. And 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 I I'm grateful. Uh, I'm only paying it back because. You let me and my family sleep at your house while we were transitioning to Minnesota. <laughs> I tell people, John housed me on this couch. It wasn't a couch. It's actually a nice guest room. And uh, and it is amazing how God moves. And so I couldn't be more grateful, bro. Man, we did not hesitate to extend that hospitality. You and your family are so great. And we're grateful for what God is doing in, in y'all's life. I know mm-hmm. that he's going to do transformative work through you all. So. We appreciate you for sitting down with us and talking about this call that you have and yeah, the craft man. that you use to preach and then the content of your preaching. I know that it's tough doing it there in Minnesota in that context, but God has called you to that special work. So I, I appreciate, appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, brother. No problem. Well, we appreciate you for joining us for the Preaching While Black podcast, a podcast committed to the call, the craft, and the content of black preaching. I appreciate my brother Seth for joining me on this episode. We're going to be doing this Every couple of weeks, we got some great preachers coming to be able to share with you their own call, their own craft, and their content. As you look to discern your call or even strengthen your call, craft, and content, we want to give you some special resources. So make sure you go over and follow us on social media at Black Preaching. Go ahead and do that. And also look for us on all the platforms, all the platforms that are streaming the podcast. You can look for Preaching While Black. We'll be right over there and we're looking forward to sharing more with you all in the future. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Preaching While Black podcast. For more helpful content and resources, connect with us online at preachingwhileblack.com.